0: Hello and welcome to the Russian Football News Podcast. You're joining us as always. There are three guests today. Well, there's two guests and that's one guest including me. So this is Thomas Giles once again introducing the Russian Football News Podcast. The two guests are Andrew Flint, who has been a regular in the last few weeks. How are you?
1: Not bad, Thomas. How are you doing, man?
0: Yeah, not bad. And we also have David Sanson. Hello. How's everyone doing? Good stuff. We're we're doing well. I'm speaking for Andrew as well. I'm assuming he's fine.
1: <laughs> sure am.
0: Okay, so today's quite a, a nice discussion for listeners not really that familiar with Russian football because we've got the Euros coming up and we're going to be going over the Euro 2016 squad. Of course... Lots of English people listen to this, so it'll be great interest to them, and obviously the Welsh as well in the same group of the Euros. Then we'll be going over the end of the Russian Premier League season, giving a general review on that as what's happened, because we've got some rather big news there. I'm going to give the giveaway now that Dinamo Moscow have been relegated. And then finally, we're going to wrap up with the RFN Awards, the Russian Football News Awards, which is voted for by the writers and has seen some player of the season awards, Russian player of the season, given out... We'll go through them closer to the time, but we'll just jump straight into the Euro discussion. I'm just going to, sorry about this, boys, but I'm just going to read out the Russian squad. It's the final 23, this, so it's not going to be cut down like the England squad. This is the 23 that will go. So we'll start with the goalkeepers. We've got Igor Akinfe from CSKA Moscow. We've got Wilherme from Lokomotiv. Bit of controversy around that one, I'm sure we'll get to. Then we've got Yuri Ladigin from Zenit St. Petersburg. The defenders are Alexey and Vasily Berezutsky from CSKA Moscow, Sergei Ignashevich, Dmitry Kambarov from Spartak, then we've got Roman Neustadter, another one alongside Herme, which I'm sure we'll get into. He's from Schalke in Germany. Then we've got Shenikov from CSKA, and then we've got Shishkin from Lokomotiv and Smolnikov from Zenit. Then the midfielders, we've got Denisov from Dynamo, Glushakov from Spartak, Galavin from CSKA, Ivanov from Terek Grozny, Pavel Mamaev, who I know Dave is a big fan of, from Krasnodar. And we've got Samiedov from Lokomotiv. Alex Shatov from Zenit St. Petersburg. Shirokov from CSKA. And Torbinsky from Krasnodar. You'll notice that Alan Zagoyev is missing. He is injured. And Dmitry Turbinsky from Krasnodar was called up in his place. And then finally, the three fours before my breath runs out is Artem Zuba from Zenit St. Petersburg, alongside his clubmate Alexander Kokorin, and then finally the Russian Premier League top goalscorer in Fyodor Smolov. Now, I'm quite tired after that, so I'm going to ask <laughs> you, Andrew, seeing as you were the first to laugh at my expense, what you think of that squad?
1: Well, to be honest, there aren't many major surprises, uh, I don't think. I mean, you mentioned Guilherme and Neustadt. They'll be the ones that will... Um, caused the most interest because of their nationality. Um, Guilherme, I don't think, is really likely to play much of a part. So on, on the pitch, I don't think his inclusion is really going to have much impact. Neustadt is the one I'm particularly interested in, though. Um, I mean, look, Berezutskis and Ignashevich um have been playing together for the best part of a decade, if not longer. Um, Neustadt might be, you know, it might be the, the start of blooding a new New line of defence. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. But otherwise, I don't see any. I don't see any major major surprises. Um, but uh, Alexander Golovin, I'm particularly looking forward to. I'm hoping he'll get game time um, uh, as an exciting attacking midfielder. So I'm pretty positive about the squad. I think it's got a good chance of getting through the group. So yeah, at the moment, I'm feeling good about it.
2: And David, what would your sentiments be on that? Um, I think there's a couple where. Well, certainly I would disagree with a couple, but surprises, not so much. I mean, shadow was a surprise. No one really knew whether he was going to get uh, his citizenship on time, but obviously it, it came through. It's come through today Even- just to inform the listeners. Yes. yes. Uh, and I suppose Ivanov maybe is a bit surprised. You know, not really capped. Went to the last year, he's never played. Then suddenly got back into the squad earlier this season. Uh, and, you know... Everyone was wondering who would get those midfields those last couple of midfield spots, but obviously it's gone to even uh, Ivanov and Torvinsky. Yeah, you said you didn't agree with some of those. What would, what were those? Uh, well, I wouldn't have taken Guillermo, I would have taken personally obviously as a Ruben fan, I'd taken Rizhkov as third choice goalie, you know. This will be it would have been his last tournament being thirty six I think he is. Uh, and he's had a great season, so I would have taken him as the third choice uh, goalie. Uh, and then Torbinski wouldn't know would have been nowhere near the squad for me personally. Uh, you know, you've got players like Oshdoyev or Miranchuk who, you know, can easily fill in the role that Jugoy would have played, um, and you know have been playing regularly. Torbinski's been playing left back most of the season, so it, it seemed like a, and he also hasn't played much, so it just seemed like a really random selection um, to take. Torbinski, an ageing Torbinski over one of the younger players who might appreciate the tournament atmosphere a bit better.
0: Yeah, Andrew, he, um, David mentions Torbinski there. It seemed a surprise call-up in replacement of Zagoyev.
1: Well, I, I yeah, I agree, with, I agree with what David says. I mean, it's um, I can only assume he's in there for his um, versatility, but um, I'm not sure how much value there is in that. Um, replacing Zagorov, who, in my opinion, um, is one of the main creative if not the main creative midfielder um he's been in you know pretty decent form for cesco this season you know despite playing a bit further back in midfield um i someone like miranchuk i i'm sort of on i'm on the fence of him at the moment his his ability is, is 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 definitely there um and obviously he will be a part of, i assume so of the uh, sportina in the future um He's some games this season, whether it's the pressure on him, uh, whether it's his whether he's not ready, I don't know he's not quite convinced me throughout the whole season but then he is young so you know there is the argument taking him to a tournament he could have gained a bit of confidence and experience that you know would have helped him. Um, yeah I certainly agree Torbinski is not the not the most obvious selection and I, I it, it, versatility I can't think of any other reason why he's there. Yeah, I mean, Mirancic would have been just a bit of a nice wild card to have. Yeah,
2: exactly. He's got that like factor, hasn't he? Walcott went when he was, well, I mean, Mirancic's 20 rather than 16, but a bit like when Walcott when he was young. Sort of hmm. not really known, not really wondering whether he would thrive on that stage. Uh, You Have you? done that? So, sorry, David, go on. Oh, don't Well, I was going to come on to Shishkin next. Um, can I just Obviously make a,
0: was a very quick point? You, though? You, had, you said the surprise there. I would say that arguably he's already made that sort of surprise and the risk factor with Golovin.
2: So maybe uh, he didn't want to take another one? Not in a sense, because Golovin, you know, while he has only had a few cats, he has burst onto the scene a lot this season. He's proved that maybe he is red. Whereas has sort has of not had that sort of explosive impact. He sort of is a creator and... Um, doesn't have the end result that Golovin does in his play. So I thought it might have been, uh, he could have been one to take. But I, I mean, over the two, I would have taken Ozdoyev yeah. as a direct replacement for Jagoyev. You know, they play the same position. And he's has an extremely talented player as well.
0: Yeah, sorry, I did interrupt you about Shishkin as well. Do you want to
2: tell us about that? Yeah, well, Shishkin was a late replacement for Kuzmin, who got injured on the final day. Um, but Shishkin, you know, he's played three games since November. Uh, and I just thought, you know, there must be a right back in the league who might be more worthy of a call-up someone like Keleshin from Krasnodar or Salagov from Krelia. Uh, it just seemed like a bit of an undeserved call, really, despite his experience.
0: Yeah, Andrew, are, are there any strengths or, or weaknesses, both really, within that squad that you'd look at?
1: Um. Yeah, I, uh, for me, I I think um, the the, the defence is a it's a funny one really. You could always say it's a strength and a weakness. They've got the experience, they know each other um, very well, the understanding, especially you know the Akhmatov, Fedotovskiy, and Nefyovich in the middle um, is a solid core. But I I also worry about their pace. Um, that's a fairly obvious point, but you know if they're playing uh, against Gareth Bale, when they face Wales um, against England, it could be. I mean, whether they whether they've been on form or not, players like Sterling um, have got a huge amount of pace and really could trouble them. Um, so, I'd say I'd, I'd say the experience is 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 a it's a good experience squad. Um, Denisov, Shirokov in the middle. Um, I'm not sure if they will play every minute of every game, but um, there's plenty of experience. And I say the the main strength is going is going forward. Um, uh, Zuba has been on great form this season. Uh, some might argue it was almost inevitable being put in the team um, as he was at Zenit with players like Hulk and, and Shatov creating around him. Um, and then of course there's Fyodor Smolov um, at the moment. Uh, well, he's the, the form player. Um, and I think the best, I think the possibly the biggest strength is that not a lot is known uh, in Western Europe about a lot of the Russian squad. So I'd say perhaps the unknown factor could be the biggest strength.
0: So you're tipping Russia for a dark horse?
1: I'm tipping them to get through the group. And once they get through the group, I'd honestly say it entirely depends Um Dark Horse to win it, I can't honestly say that. I'd love them to. Uh, but I think they will qualify from their group, despite a lot of... Um, I've read in the British media, a lot of people predicting they'll um, they flop and won't get through. I think that will surprise a few people. So get through the group, definitely, I think.
0: Yeah, I remember when those groups were announced and Jonathan Pearce was doing the coverage on BBC and he was uh, talking about the slow centre-backs and I couldn't really agree with him more. And that would be my worry. I mean... David Andrew said that. Is there any other weaknesses you'd highlight there, or is it really just the defence that they've got to be worried about?
2: That was going to be the weakness I would come to the the pace of the centre backs. I mean, obviously you've got Smolov at right back is very quick, and you never know if Neustadter impresses, they might start him, and that would put a complete Spanner in the works. Um, but that's that's the biggest weakness you'd imagine. You know, there are lots of strengths in the squad, which of players who play at the same club and have great relationships, you know, Mameev, Smolov have been lethal together uh, this season. I think I read uh, Mameev has provided nine assists for Smolov this year, uh, which is, you know, which is a great result. Probably one of the best in Europe if you would would start looking around.
0: Was it five the other way around, I think you told
2: us as well? Yeah, I think Smolov had given five for Mameev. So, you know, the two of them together. Um, And I agree with the unpredictable factor. I'd like to see Golovin start against England because... He's played so little, you know, they they England will know, you know, the staff will know about the Russian players, they'll have been scouted. But Golovin has played so little that he will be unpredictable. To, you know, If they just chuck him in, they won't they might not know how to deal with him as much as if someone like Mamayev or Shatov or Shirokov started behind the striker. So I think that could play to Russia's advantage if Golovin was just chucked in like that.
0: So looking at this squad, I'm going to ask you to do a quick formation and quick 11 off the top of your head. Don't worry too much about names. I'm thinking more about formation and style of play here, Andrew. So who would you mm. who would you go with?
1: Um, I think most of the team picks itself. Um, although David's point about Golovin, I, I think is a really interesting one. So, I mean, the, the back four, I, I can't see it being uh, much other than Beretsuzki, Gnashevich, Smolnikov and... Um, well, whether Kombarov or shenikov I, I, I don't I'm not so fussed really. Um, but midfield, I think I think um, Denisov, Shirokov with their experience, possibly um, Slutsky might go with them out of, of being a bit conservative to start with. Um, and I say conservative in the sense that you know if you have those two sitting back, it would allow someone like Golovin to be that wild card bombing forward. Um, so I would like to see, yeah, I, I'd go along with what David said. Um, but personally, up front, um, I am I would rather see Smolov than Zuba against England because I think he could cause more problems for the likes of um, Chris Smalling and Gary Cahill, who both of them have not always shown the greatest positional sense and Smolov's movement and intelligence, I think, would cause more problems. So, effectively, a four-two-three-one um, would uh, would be would be my choice. Um, Golovin, Shatov, and possibly Mamayev um, as the three behind Smolov. That's what I would go. And
2: um, what about you, David? Uh, I fully agree. Uh, basically, exact. I would pick the exact same. Mamayev on the right live in the middle, Shatov on the left, and Smolov up top, and you know defense picks itself, and yeah, the yeah, two experienced in the mids, Denisov and Shirokov, uh, sitting sitting deeper. We were, I, I think that's the best way to go.
0: We were having a discussion yesterday on the on the Facebook group saying, well, Toka was saying that he picks Smolov against England, and generally, prob- well maybe for Wales as well where the, Russia expected to play on the counter and he picks Smolov because he can get the ball in behind but my opinion was perhaps go with Zuba because he can hold the ball up a bit better I mean that would be, would that, is that a convincing argument for Zuba?
2: I think Zuba's more of a last, sort of a he'd be a good late option you know, When if you're chasing a goal just chuck him in there, stick him in the box and he might get on the end of something you know, he has more qualities than that but think you have to pick your former striker and Smolov is the former striker you know it'll be like England to go in with Vardy after his great season and I think Russia should do the same with Smolov
1: I think I think the thing about Zuba as well that I would add is um, that he's been playing in a very strong team relative to his environmental season with Zenit and I don't think Russia are likely to go in uh, as you know, clear favourites from for many of their matches. I, I would argue that they should qualify from their group. Like I said, um, possibly second behind behind England if I'm going to stick my neck out. Um, and what I mean by that is he's always, he's been playing behind Hulk, who just has an aura about him. Whether people believe he has been the best player all season or not, He's, he is a phenomenon. And with that X factor behind you, there's less pressure on you to create and drop back and pick up the ball. Um, whereas I think it's more likely we will need a forward to do that against uh, slightly more, well, more experienced or more, um, well, more on form national teams, perhaps. Um, so for that reason, I would stick with Smolov for the first game. Although Zuba, I would, I would have him against Slovakia. Um, I, I watched them um, Slovakia playing a few months ago. I tried to take a few notes um, and they seem to be very physical at the back. So that, that's where I think Zuba could get the most joy. Um, I, see, I see your point, Tom, though. I mean, it's in a one sense, I don't mind, but I do think the best chance is with Smolov.
0: You say it's my point. I was just playing devil's advocate. I would personally go with smaller. <laughs> I, I was just playing devil. But um, I mentioned it when I was reading the squad out in my in my breathless way. Will Hermy, the keeper. Now, Andrew, you touched on it there. He's really going to be third choice. This is a question for both of you. Given the possible backfire it could have in Russia, people perhaps saying we should be looking at our own players. For a third choice goalkeeper, was it worth the risk? I think
2: it's to get... The Russians used to it, really. You know, it, I think it will it will become a thing with Neustadt happening, and then you're looking to the future with maybe Mario Fernandez getting Russian citizenship as well. I think it's just acclimatizing the Russians to what's basically going to be inevitable going forward, um, you know, for naturalisation to happen.
1: Andrew, yeah, I, I think I think that's a good point to be honest, because um, in along and if that's the if that's at least part of the reasons, I'd say if you were going to start introducing naturalised players, Guillaume would be a good one to bring in because um, I don't think many would doubt his his genuine, genuine desire to get a Russian passport for his team's benefit. I mean, he clearly loves playing here. Um, and it's it's an example of somebody who's not just hopping on the bandwagon on the eve of a tournament, Um and because he is third choice keeper, there's going to be less attention on him. So it's not like it's a naturalized foreigner who's going to come in and might make a mistake in a key moment, uh, and then people might find a reason to blame him. So yeah, I, I, I see I see David's reasoning, and I'd say for that on that basis, Kilamis, you know, is a is a safe choice if you're going to bring in naturalized players. Neustadter, I. I I'm, I don't know much about him, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, and I think a lot of Russian fans probably don't either. So um, he is more more of a risk, if anything, I would say. It's not like
2: Guillaume is a bad keeper, really. You know, he, he's still a good keeper. It's just that maybe someone like Krytsiuk or Rizkov might have been a better choice to take. You know, it just seemed a bit maybe a bit strange.
0: sorry andrew I heard the intake of breath
1: <laughs> so, yeah no i mean no, <laughs> um yeah I, I, like like david says i mean he's i mean he is there at least partly on merits if not entirely he's um his shot stopping is is outstanding um so if if he was if he was called in if there were injuries or you know loss of form or confidence whatever it was for Akin for or Egan i'm sure he wouldn't embarrass himself at all so yeah, um, I'd say it's a good. I mean, it's a good, the right choice in the end. Um could, could have done a good job, and it could have gained him experience. But for me, like, it's six of one, half dozen of the other, really. Um, so I'm not, I'm not upset about him being there.
0: Yeah, David, Andrew talked a lot about the games, but I noticed you sat on the fence when we discussed the games. So give us a bit of a prediction for because Andrew said we go. Well, everyone, everyone keeps saying we, but we're all English, which is really weird. But, <laughs> But so Andrew said that we'd get through on probably on the Slovakia game. Would you go with that looking at England and Wales as well? Because we mentioned Gareth Bale, who does play up front for Wales rather than on the wing. And then we've got Vardy we've mentioned as well. With that pace it's a real threat to the back line of Russia. So you're looking at that Slovakia game as a key game and
2: they should get through on that game, you think, David? Yeah, I mean, on paper you would you would say so, but you know, Slovakia qualified, so they must they must have something going on in their squad that's working for them. So we can't take them lightly. But on paper, you're looking at the squads and you're saying, okay, England, they're going to be the hardest. Wales, yeah, they've got Bale and Ramsey. Slovakia, you you can only really like off the top of my head, because they think of Hamsik as their as their sort of big player. So yeah, you 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 would mark them down as maybe the weaker team. Um, but I think it'll. The friendlies before the tournament will be interesting uh, to see how how the players are playing and what what system's being used. Yeah, they've got a uh,
0: couple of matches coming up. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I know they're also going to um, Switzerland for a training camp, of course, ahead of France. And then we'll see how the tournament goes in general. Um, Just wanted to come on to another point with the the national team here. Um, Really should... The Beresovski brothers. I know we're going to just constantly talk about the defense, but would you start Neustadt Is what I'm getting to.
1: Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen him play yet. Um, a lot of he's been given a huge amount of attention in the media for the last few months about, you know, declaring he wants to play and will he get his residency in time? And of course, his presidential decree came through today. Um, but uh, I mean to be chased that much, he must have something about him. So the only the only issue I have is uh, it's a risk bringing him in um, unless unless Slipski has really done his serious background on him um, just simply because he hasn't played in the team before. Uh, I wouldn't personally start him, um, but that's partly because I haven't seen enough of him. But even if I had, you, you, you may see him playing well in uh, Schalke's defence, but... How will he fit into Russia's defence? Will he cope with the, you know, the the pace of his partners with the? I don't even know how how good his language is. So, um, I I think it's too much of a risk to bring him in, certainly in the first game. I gather he's a fluent um, Russian speaker, Andrew. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there, there must be a reason why he's there. He can't. He must be a good player. Um, that's the basics. Um, but I wouldn't play him in the first game. I think I would. Uh, Maybe you know, bring him on in you know the Wales or Slovakia game, and if he settles in, possibly, possibly play him then, but uh, not for the first game.
0: And David, uh, we're going to come on to the league in a second, but with Rostov's excellent finish at the end of the season, no Rostov players in the squad.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the squad, a lot of their better point players were foreign. You know, you had Azmin up front. You got Naboa. Gatscan in the mid, in midfield, and Cezan Avas and Bastos at defence. Uh, all of those foreigners. And then the Russians who might have made it, you know, Poloz, as a striker, he has tough competition in Smolov and Zubin Kokorin. And then the only other one who you might suggest was Novoseltsev in defence. Obviously, Neustadt has got the nod ahead of him there. So I think it was a mix of not having the Russians and just tough competition.
0: Yeah, we mentioned the strikers there. We look at England and looking at taking about five strikers. Russia are only taking three, Andrew.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's possibly a bit of a risk, but uh, it points fairly clearly to the the sort of style that Slutsky is likely to play. Um, so, I mean, in, in a way, if you're going to play one man up front um, and you've got players like, like Golovkin, like even Mamayev, who play quite far forward, um, I'd say it's not as big of a risk as, as it might seem. Um, you know like 10, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen any national team bring only three strikers, but I'd, I'd say it's fine. I, I don't, I'm not particularly worried by that. Um, so you know all three of them have slightly different styles so they offer something offer something different um, uh, I, I think it's, I think it'll be okay.
0: Yeah, you'd probably say Kocorin can play wide as well, so it's a good bit of diverse and then Smolov could arguably go there if really necessary, I suppose. Um, just before we move on to the league, is there anything that any of you two want to add about the Euros?
1: Well, I mean, the my, my experience living over here, I've I've always been interested in how Russians follow their own teams and especially the the national team. And, I mean, we aren't putting too much of a downer on it. But, um, Very few locals around where I live anyway um, seem desperately interested. I don't think they really know their team or or follow them desperately well. Um, And perversely, like you mentioned earlier, Tom's, I've found myself saying we about Russia. And I I feel more uh, more affinity than I think some Russians possibly do. Um, And I think that might not be a bad thing because that lack of expectation that we're very famous for in England um, might might work in their favour, there'll be slightly less pressure on them, slightly less expectation. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this this, uh, this squad, see how they'll do. And I, I honestly think they'll get through the group.
0: Now, I know I said I'd move on to the league, but I have to put that to David now that you've mentioned it, Andrew. We saw Russia have a good tournament in 2012 and 8, David. does that Surely that means the pressure's a bit on?
2: Um, I think with the squad that's selected, there's less pressure, personally. You've got a lot of these new players in the attacking positions, with Smolov and Golovin, who are going into their first tournaments, and Mamedev. So it's more—I think it's more of an experiment building up to 2018. See, it's not fully experimental. Well, you would have liked some more younger players if you were going to do that, but it will be. Uh, I think the pressure's off. You know, they'll go out there and just play to play what they can. I mean, what three teams are getting through the groups? Three teams qualify for the group, so you know, I think there's very little pressure when it comes to that, they, they should qualify from a four-team group. I think it's only three from
1: certain groups as I understood it. Oh, really? It, it's like best... I think it's something like the best four or best six um, yeah. third-place teams. Mm. I mean, it basically, it boils down to you get four points, you're as good as through. Um, so, you know, if they avoid defeat against Wales and, and beat Slovakia, I, I think that almost guarantees them going through.
0: OK, perfect. Sorry, I was just having a sip of water there. Um, So we'll move on to the the league now. We've wrapped up the end of the Russian League season and it was meant to be a pulsating end and then it wasn't. So I'll just give a rundown (laughs) of the table to the listeners. So first place was CSKA Moscow and then second place was Rostov. So those two going to the Champions League now. Rostov, it was some doubt whether they get in on FFP but they have passed FFP so they will be in the Champions League next season which is fantastic. The Russian Leicester who couldn't quite do it so and then the Europa League spots we've got third place Zenit that's a disaster for them because their entire financial model relies on the Champions League really perhaps we'll get into that later then we've got Krasnodar who had a good season and then Spartak who had a, a bit of a resurgence to end in fifth then downwards we've got sixth Lokomotiv Moscow seventh Terek Grozny eighth Ural ninth Krylia Sovetov, tenth Rubin Kazan I'm sure David will have lots of complaints about that Then we've got 11th Amkar, 12th Ufa, who had a miraculous escape. They were second bottom and seemingly going down on the last day of the season, but won to stay up and even avoided the relegation playoffs, which is where we move to now with 13th place Angie and 14th place Kuban Krasnodar. And then relegated, as mentioned earlier, is Dynamo Moscow, which is a shock. They've never been relegated in their history and then finally, we have Mordovia Saransk, who had a purple patch, but then they messed it up at the end. So, Andrew, surprising title win or quite obvious?
1: Well, the identity, I uh, I won't mind reminding listeners that I predicted this at the beginning of the season, but um, I think the surprise for me has been how how close they were run, and um, it was. You mentioned the fairy tale ending. Um, it, I mean, don't forget, it was that injury time save, stunning double save from Akunfev, and and that one goal, one goal could have brought Rostov the title. So it was so close to that fairy tale ending. Um, but in the end, I'd say it's. I I I honestly did expect Cisco to win the title I expected it to be more comfortable and not thrown Gustav, off obviously in second um but yeah unfortunately for the neutrals it was uh, yeah not quite the fairy tale that Leicester provided in England David
0: tell talk to me about Ruben Kazan 10th place don't have to yeah they, they were in the <laughs> Europa League should have been challenging again this year but they've ended up
2: 10th yeah, I mean, I think being in the Europa League con- has contributed a little bit to the downfall. Um, you know, first half of the season we were struggling with the schedule. We had really poor form. I think we didn't win, didn't win for our first seven games or something like that. So uh, it, was, it was a very poor start to the season. Uh, we plugged through the qualifiers and ended up in the groups of the Europa League, and that that was you know that was the high point of our season. You know, going to Anfield, drawing one all. Um, and putting, we put up a good show for ourselves in the group. We almost qualified from it, actually, on the final day. I think uh, Siong scored a late goal to, to qualify. Um, but, yeah, league, there was just players who seemed like they were on a different planet compared to last season. You know, players like Portnagin was he was amazing last season. And this season, he was invisible. Uh, Carlos Eduardo, you know, he, he disappeared off in winter and moved back to Brazil, which was a shame. Um yeah, I, I found it hard to explain how the same team could play so differently in just a space of five or six months because there was, there was very little change in the team, but it just all seemed to go terribly wrong, basically.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about the opposite of going terribly wrong now, Andrew. Who overachieved in the league this
1: season? The obvious choice is Rostov. Um, although, in a, in a sense, it's easy to... Try and claim this in hindsight, but um, the, the addition of Berdych as manager um, com- obviously completely revitalised them. Um, I I do I'm not sure uh, quite what Berdych is going to be doing next season. I've seen some talk of him being linked with um, some of the Moscow clubs, Spartak, even I believe. But I'm not sure how much I I, I believe that. Um, for me, uh, Ural overachieved. Last season, they scraped into the relegation playoff um, by, I don't know, it was a goal or goal difference. Um, they were level on points with, uh, I can't remember who it was, actually. who went back down automatically. Uh, and then this season, um, they started off awfully with Goncharenka. Um, then there was the match-fixing allegations against Terek, And it really looked. I, I really was tipping them to go down, Um Somehow, Vadim Skripchenko turned them around, and the end of season was was an awful run of, of games with about five or six defeats in the last seven or eight games. But um, they were pretty safe mid table for a long time, and that I think really was overachieving. So, I mean, Rostov is the obvious one, but Ural I would uh, I would also like to mention for them too.
0: Uh, I'm just going to remind you, Andrew. I think you predicted Ural to make a Europa League run towards the end of the season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have uh, had slightly, slightly biased judgment there on that one. Um, hey, hey, okay, I, I will, I will half defend that point for a moment. It was, it, realistically, it was unlikely, but the, the lottery of that area of the table—you know, locomotive suddenly crashing, Spartak suddenly improving, Terek falling away. Um, it's not that you would have known exactly which team would start failing, but you know a team or two teams are going to start going on a poor run, and all it would have needed from Ural is, you know, three or four games where they, you know, they may have just caved in or lost by a goal or two, um, turn those around, and suddenly they're they're pretty close. They were only 11 points off, and I say only, but 11 points, four wins. Um, had they had a couple of wins earlier in the season during that awful run uh, before Gonsharenko was fired uh, or left, I should say. And and suddenly it's a different story, but ah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with them. They've
0: done well. Just for the listeners, it was quite funny. Toka gave us the link to the pre-season predictions the other day and there are some <laughs> hilarious errors of judgment on that. I, I know what's coming. <laughs> but No, I, I can't remember off, off the top of my head, but I'm going to praise David for his prediction of breakthrough play of Alexander Golovin, which is spectacular. So, I want to ask you for your overachiever as well barring Rostov
2: David. Um I was going to say Krylia uh, as my overachievers you know they were promoted last season and they've come ninth so, you know mid table. Uh and I just want to highlight Fedor Smolov scored 20 goals this season Krylia Solovov as a team scored only 19 and they finished ninth. Uh you know a, a baffling result really considering that fact alone but um I think they had they had quite a sturdy defence in the first half of the season, um, and they they somehow were churning out results when people weren't expecting them to. And but they've done relatively well with uh, under culture and uh, It'll be interesting to see how he strengthens the squad in the summer.
0: Personally, I'm going to go overachievers, um, probably Spartak back in Europe now because I didn't expect that coming at the start of the season with. Alienichev's errors. I saw a picture today with all the Mourinho talk going on. By the way, of that Champions League squad, and I just noticed Alienichev's little face in there. I thought that was quite funny. But, <laughs>
2: but anyway, well, Spartak, Spartak really, after last season, where Proms carried them and stopped them basically from being bottom half, all they really needed to add was a striker, and they did. They added Zoe Luis, who started slow but actually ended up as quite a quite a decent signing. And I think that's what's basically helped them to get to where they are and they scored 48 goals which is probably an improvement last season so I I think they added what they needed to to improve and they just need to add elsewhere to improve again
0: yeah just for the listeners there's a new piece up on the website about Spartak going back to Europe after a a couple of years away by Vincent Tanguy and then we also had a podcast where we discussed Spartak in quite a bit of depth a couple of weeks ago so definitely check those out Um, another Moscow team really sad this dinamo moscow never been relegated in their history i wanted to mention this last time we talked about dinamo on the podcast but my grandpa who knows nothing about football and he won't mind me saying that because he knows it's true he knows Dynamo moscow exists because he asked me about them the other day and I, yeah it was just really strange that that somebody who knows nothing about football just happens to know about dinamo moscow so andrew a really tragic story there of what's been a massive problem for the last couple of
1: years yeah, it is. I mean, I I did find myself hoping they would stay up towards the end of the season because their their young team who I I'll be honest, I'm I'm learning about this season, a lot of them coming through. Um a lot of them have really impressed me. And I, I think the the financial fair play uh, restrictions that hamstrung them last summer was for the right reasons. They they were getting away with murder with their sponsorship deal with VTB Bank, and and I don't think it was I don't think it was helping them flooding the squad with high you know overly paid foreign stars. Um, what I will say is though, um, I and mean, I, I do watch, well, I, I follow a lot of conversation on social media about American football, and a lot of the MLS fans um, are starting to bemoan the lack of promotion relegation, um, and I would say this is one of the positive sides of it. I honestly think this will be for the best for Dinamo. I think they will next season in the Fénéal, in the second tier, I think they will storm it if they keep their young team together. Um, because after that, they'll have had two professional seasons, will, I hope, and I do hope, they will come back up um, better prepared and they will, have, I hope, have learnt their mistakes from overspending. Um, so it, Although it's painful for Dinamo fans, um, I think it's for the best in the long term. I think it will weed out the deadwood, um, weed out the players who are not motivated. The youngsters will come through, gain more experience and be better prepared in the long term.
0: Yeah, just for um, football fans out who aren't that familiar with Russian football, but just in an English term, this is the equivalent in Russia of Manchester United getting relegated. So it's a pretty big deal. The biggest supported club in Russia, probably. Um David, what would your views be on Dynamo here?
2: Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting one next season because they, they obviously have this huge squad of young players. I think they've used the most players of all the teams this season. Uh, and you've got players like Zobnin, Toshev, Morozov, who are all supremely talented and young and will no doubt be targeted by the other Premier League sides for, you know, to fill up valuable Russian spots in their squads. So if they can hold on to them, I think they'll struggle to then they might be okay but then also you've got to think that they, they signed a contract with George Mendes didn't they? The football yep, agent yep. €400,000 I, I wonder what's going to happen with that now that they're in the FNL are they going to still be signing foreign players or are they going to not not go anywhere with that deal it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one to follow uh, certainly uh, I think Mendes in is terms a bit... of their play oh, they, they deserve to be relegated really they, they rarely offered much. I mean, even Ruben beat them 4-1. So uh, <laughs> uh, from then, I, I, I figured they weren't going to have a great end to the season. And, and they didn't. You know. Yeah, so was,
0: uh, it's going to be interesting. I was going to say that Mendes is a bit busy in London at the moment, I gather. <laughs> <probably>. so, <laughs> a certain club in Salford, which is the worst kept secret ever. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Andrew, with that, you're our sort of resident... L guy I hope you don't mind me saying but Dinamo are going to be a massive scalp next season, it's a bit like Villa in the Premier League going down to the Championship and we talked about it off air, going to Burton Albion next season, it's going to be the same for Dinamo
1: Well it is I mean there was that banner that the Spartak fans held up uh, last game of the season I think it was, with a list of all of the well, what they would call less glamorous destinations they'll have to travel to with the enormous distances to Habarovsk, to Vladivostok, and, and of course, the mighty Tumen. Um, I was going to say, and... I hope Tumen wasn't on that list. <laughs> it was. It, it, it certainly was. It was fourth down on the list, I think. Um, <laughs> I was pleased that Spartak, you know, recognised our, our standing in Russian football. But um, No, but seriously, I think... Um, I genuinely, sincerely hope they hold on to their young players. Like David said, the, the thing that will count against them is the bigger clubs wanting to fill those spaces with Russian nationality players. But, um, I, well, for, for me, it's a two-man fan. I mean, our, our squad is virtually completely different from one season to the next, whereas they will come down having played together. Don't forget, not just in the first team this season, but through the youth system for a long time. Um, you know, we've seen Spartak and Zanit uh, double teams this season in the Fennell, and Spartak's came fifth, or fourth, sorry. I uh, was at fifth. They're just outside the playoffs. Um, and it's fairly obvious why. They've played together for a long time, and, you know, they're, they're well suited to each other. Um, but they, like you say, they will be a big scalp. Teams will be motivated against them because of their name, so they're going to have to prove it. They're going to have to earn it. Um but I mean I, I, I cannot wait for that fixture um two against uh one Moscow. It's gonna be good. That is gonna be great fun.
0: But um with looking at the, the two playoff teams there, Angie and Kuban, Angie played Volga and won one nil last night and Kuban drew nil nil against Tom Tomsk, I think I'm right there.
2: No, Kuban won one nil
0: as well. Oh did they?
2: Yes. Oh sorry they did, yeah.
0: I, 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 it, was it, a, was... it was an early penalty. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, I was getting confused with the Angie one.
2: Um,
0: so yeah, we think they'll get through those games, do we, gents?
2: Um, you would imagine so. With Angie, uh, I I didn't see that game, but I saw Thompson versus Karaznick versus Cuban, and Thompson were really good. Um, they were they were unlucky, really. I mean, the penalty was a penalty. I thought Thompson um, could win that, pretty much. But but they they were certainly the classier team on the day, and they've still got the home leg to go. So that'll be an interesting one. Uh, on, I think the second games are on the Friday coming up, the 28th. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that'll be it'll be interesting. I think Kuban could be in trouble, but Angie might be okay.
0: Yeah, before that Kuban game, I think Tom had won their last four games to nil, so they'd done pretty well. I mean, Andrew, would you pretty much say that those Premier League sides... I mean, David says Kuban are in a bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, I mean, the I've I seen Tom a couple of times um, over the last couple of years, and in... You know, regular season league matches—they—they've not really massively impressed me. Although they do have, um, they do have uh, some experience at the back in a former Birmingham City player, um, Martin. Was it Martin Urenek? Was Martin Urenek.
0: And so um, Gary O'Connor used to be there, of course, another ex-Birmingham player. So
1: we've Birmingham and Tom Tomsk are brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I before the play-off before the first legs I backed both the Premier League teams to go through and I think I think David's definitely right. Kubaner, well it's, it's it's no it's no easy ride. That um, Angie I think uh, will be comfortable now. Um, I I've honestly felt like Angie have wasted their potential this season. Um, I mean Yannick Bolly is is a seriously top striker for me and I think next season he could um he, he could score even more i think he got what eight nine in the premier league this season um i think i think both teams probably on balance will go through premier league teams um but if tom win you know good luck to them
2: yeah i mean tom have a really experienced squad i mean i think they've got at least a dozen if their players have played regular rpl football before so they'll have experience of these kind of games i think i think they'll they could put up a good fight on friday
0: yeah you mentioned martin Urenek by the way i know t- i just a bit of a weird point but martin it's martin juronek's 37th birthday today that came through on the birmingham city facebook feed so happy <laughs> birthday to martin Urenek, good lad um so we've also had a couple of managerial changes uh, uh rubin which david will come to us on and we've also had Luchescu at Zenit, coming from Shakhtar Donetsk, he left his position there after a good, good long time there. Certainly a surprising appointment there, David, would you say?
2: For Luchesko at Zenit? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you could have really drawn a name out of the hat for Zenit, of who they could hire, and you might have believed it. I mean, they could have gone for one of dozens of managers, really. Um, they were in extended think, talks with Manuel Pellegrini, but obviously that that Champions League yes. football's been the big key here, lack of it. I think I think it circumstances just came came about. I mean, Luchescu was always going to leave Shakhtar, and it just so happened that ABB was then going to leave Zenit. I think I think it's just worked quite well. I mean, it's a big change to go from a young manager like ABB to Luchescu, who's almost double his age. So, uh, yeah, I mean his reputation precedes him. You know, he's done great for Shakhtar. So surprise, I think whoever it was, it would have been a surprise, but it's a good, probably a good appointment on paper, you would imagine. Yeah, he's got a two-year contract with the option of a
0: one-year extension. Andrew, what are your thoughts on luchescu
1: Well, yeah, like David says, it's, it's a, it's a very, very odd change to go from. I think the age difference is something like 32 years between, Uh, AVB and Luchescu I mean it's 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 quite a change what what the reasoning behind it is um, again I I think David's hit the nail on the head I think it's circumstance has provided them with a chance to get a manager who is not likely to be tempted by you know a Champions League chasing team given his age and stage of his career um, it, I think, actually, if anything, it's probably a very sensible appointment. Um, I know he's got a very fiery um, personality. So, you know, we've seen AVB fall out with well, pretty much everybody in Russia. Um, did he fall out with the, you? I think he fell out with he you. Did. He did. Yeah, he, he had a go at me for questioning his um, his style of play at the beginning of the season. But, <laughs> um, but I think. Um, I think it'll be fun to see Lucescu more than anything. Um I've seen him in pre season I mean pre season press conferences practically berating uh, journalists. Um so I mean for that alone, a bit of you know, a bit of passion fire on his belly and he's as uh, I think it'll be fun. It'd be great great to see him.
2: And well I'd like to ask Tom your opinion on, on this, because you're the Zenit fan. I'm so what do you think about Lucescu?
0: I think it's interesting it's I I wasn't expecting I was expecting somebody with a perhaps from western europe but I think really their hands were tied once they got knocked from that champions league spot because like I said their entire financial model is is based around that so they couldn't go for a big name with big money I mean there's rumours of the 30 million euros for the transfer budget, but I'll believe that when I see it. Thanks, Carson Young. Um, but uh, I, I don't think Zenit fans are going to be that happy with the appointment. But he should be. He's, he's done well with Shakhtar. Did really well in the Europa League. And if Zenit have got a really good squad, if they can win the Europa League, get in the Champions League, I think he'd be able to. He'd be converting the Zenit fans straight away, and they wouldn't really have to look too far. The only thing I would say is. For me, personally, it's a, they were never going to do it, but it's a disappointment that it's not a Russian coach. And that's... I'm looking at Sergei Simak. They were, like I said, they were never going to go for it because they wanted a foreigner for the international nature of the squad, whatever that means. But uh, just a bit annoyed it's not a Russian, really. Which brings me on to Rubin, David. We've got another foreign manager in Grazia coming from Malaga.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not someone I know a great deal about, but... Um it's an appointment that needed to be made. You know, we were linked strongly with Georgie Hadji. Um, but uh, apparently he turned us down in winter. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, I've read a lot about him in the last couple of days. He's got a great reputation at Malaga. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can bring, bring to Ruben. I've seen him compared in Russian press to uh, birdie in terms of style of play. Um, so yeah, apparently he'll have a decent budget going forward. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to see what he can do with our lacklustre squad uh, over the summer.
1: Um, what about
2: you? What would
0: your thoughts be on Grazia there, Andrew?
1: Well, I, like, like David, I, I don't know a great deal about him. Um, but if his style is compared to Berdeev, then for for obvious reasons, it perhaps might not be a bad thing. Um I think uh, well, Dave, Dave. obviously, he's the Rubin man. Um, but you look at the squad, um, Rubin squad, and if somebody can just just tie them together, get them get them focused on, you know, on what they could what they could achieve next season. They really should be aiming um, for challenging for Europa League qualification at the very least. And um, if he can be sensible and compact, then I think it would be a good. A good appointment. And I'm assuming he's... I mean, David, do you know um, what his what his salary is likely to be? Is he being quite highly paid or is he...
0: David has gone AWOL. Oh, <laughs> good time to ask
1: David a question.
0: <laughs> I think David's well, had some interference. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I, I would assume... Tom's. I'd assume that he's probably not on the highest salary you'd imagine if yeah. georgie Hadji had come he would have been on I mean silly money which wouldn't have been I don't think the most sensible use of funds um so I mean in the absence of knowing his uh, intimately knowing his tactical uh, preferences I'd say it probably is not a bad appointment um so it'll be interesting interesting to see how he gets on
0: Yeah, I imagine it's the same at Zenit with that salary with Luchescu, by the way. I can't imagine he's on that much compared to AVB, for example. I mean, like I said, that Champions League has really put the death on a big name coming in. But I'm going to move on to the RFN Awards. David, are you there? No, that was unlucky. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to... It's really annoying, actually, because David has been conducting the viewers or the, the readers poll for the RFN Awards I'd like him to have done that for me as well and hopefully we'll do that but we'll go through these awards which is the writers awards so the categories are the player of the season russian player of the season young player of the season best and worst signings of the season coach of the season and team of the season so with an imaginary drum roll we'll go with the player oh yes andrew that's brilliant. Okay, so the player of the season—no surprise—he holds his crown. It's Hulk from Zenit Saint Petersburg, and then yeah, go on, Andrew. Yeah, like yeah, that's how well, it I mean, it, on
1: it I, I, you, you can't argue, and the, the thing about him is, you, he's he's improved his game, his all round game since last season. His, um, his assists, uh, sixteen assists, seventeen goals. I mean, it's it's unparalleled. Um. I, I know there's been a few comments on our on our social media about um, I'm not Hulk again, but if anything, I think that's jealousy. He he clearly is the best player. Um, even when he's not quite on form, he still has that aura about him. So it was. It, it may not be the most shocking choice, but it is the right choice, definitely. Mm-hmm. David, I mean, you're back. <laughs> yes, I'm back. Sorry, I had a phone call. Um, yeah, I saw someone
2: saying how. Oh, Hulk doesn't deserve it because Zenit only came third. But, uh, you know, that's nonsense, really. If, if he played well, which he did, he played tremendous, then he deserves it. Uh, I think the public poll went slightly differently. Um, but, yeah, but, I was going to ask you to bring
0: in those results for us.
2: Um,
0: oh, have you got them, David? Yeah,
2: yeah well, I, oh, I can bring them up quickly. Uh, I know that Promise was winning the public poll by quite a distance. That's interesting. Uh, so I, I imagine that's how it ended. Just just a, just a quick on one to go
0: back to. Andrew asked you while you're away about uh, Grazia's salary. Do you happen to know that?
2: Um, I've I mean, seen roughly... numbers quoted. I've seen four million quoted euros. I don't right? That? Yeah. I'm yes. I'm imagining that's per year. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no idea if that's correct. Obviously. Mm, um, I, mean, he, I know his, buyout, his clause contract buyout was one point two million euros. So he's cost us to just to buy him that's how much he cost us um, but to convince him to come away from Malaga would have taken a lot so I, I guess four million a year would be or could be accurate
1: I mean you'd imagine that's a lot less than Haji would have been offered just because of his uh, there, name yeah well, there what... was
2: rumours going around about Haji at the time as well but I can't recall what those figures were uh, just yeah. worked out if it's four million a year that's uh, 77,000 a week Do you know Rotom manager isn't, isn't too bad, I imagine. <laughs> I could do with that. <laughs> so, we'll
0: move on to the Russian player of the season. And again, it's probably no surprise it's gone to Fyodor Smolov of Krasnodar. So, uh, congratulations to him. Any real debate around that one, lads?
2: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, some some might say, you know, he only performed second half of the season, but that would be my 20 opinion. goals and 9 assists in 30 games. You, I just don't think you can argue that.
1: Uh, I mean, the the thing about the first part of the season as well, isn't it, David? That he was playing in a different position. He was playing out wide, but he wasn't. He wasn't grumbling. He was. He was putting in. Um, putting in the effort like he'd done at Ural on loan last season. Um, so I'd even argue, the lack of goals and assists first part of the season is that part showed that he is not a selfish player. He's an all-round player. Yeah, I mean, the first half of the season when I was
2: watching Preston I noticed that. Their front three were very fluid. They were typically starting with Momaev on the right, Ari down the middle, and Smolov on the left, and they would just swap all game. And now, obviously, it's just Smolov starts. I think Ari, Ari seems to have dropped out the fold. Maybe he's picked up an injury. Uh, he, I don't think I've seen him play for a long time. Um, but, yeah, certainly it was much more fluid in the first half of the season. Uh, but now it's Smolov is the striker, and that's that.
0: And who was the readers' vote on that?
2: That was Smolov. Yeah, I just checked. Promise did win. Yeah. Uh, player of the season on, on the Twitter poll okay. and smaller well, but a beat you got for the Russian player of the season
0: okay and now we have young player of the season which the writers voted as Sadar Asmun the Iranian Messi apparently from Rostov's dream campaign again quite straightforward
2: uh, it's not who I voted for I'll, oh, I'll really? be the first to admit I, I voted for Selikov of Amkar um, I think over the season Asmun only really sprung to life in the spring part of the season. Just like Smolov, then? Um, possibly, but he. I think Asmund's contribution in the first half was a lot less, and I don't know whether I can justify him being player of the season. Sinchenko, obviously, is picking up votes because he's, he's the hot talent at the moment, but I don't think he was overly hugely impressive throughout the season. But I thought Selikov for Amkar was really great uh, for a small team like that. He's come into the goal... Uh, 22 years old, 21 years old, and he's played. He's played really well throughout the whole season. I thought so. That's that's who picked my vote up.
0: As Moon for you, Andrew?
1: Well, yeah, I, I do agree with what David said. Um, I mean, as As Moon has caught the headlines, like a lot of these Player of the Season awards tend to, you know, the, your form nearer the time is more prominent. But this, like David said, he didn't actually he didn't actually play a huge amount. Um, didn't start a huge amount. Um, in fact, he only I think he only started five five games before the winter break. Um, and, you know, bef- before the last run in where he got four or five goals in the last four or five games, um, he'd never scored more than two games in a row in his whole career. So, you know, he's never been an out-and-out goal scorer, but he's... Um, I mean, I, in the end, I did vote for him, I admit. And... Um, but uh, he's he's shown more qualities that I didn't realise he had. Um, he's not tallest broke, but his his leap, his heading ability is 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 quite phenomenal, much much more than you'd imagine from a man of his stature. So there's more about him than just you know being a poacher. Um, so that's why I went for him. But I, I do take David's point about Serikov over the season has probably been possibly more consistently of value. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting category that one. Yeah, I mean,
2: Asmund's a terrific player. I mean, obviously he's on loan from Ruben, so I've seen him I've seen every game of his up until he joined Rost. And, you know, he I think he's five eleven or something, but as you rightly said, his jumping is phenomenal. Like it's up he's probably up there with one of the best jumps in Europe. Uh and he's got a good header to match it. Um uh, pace he has got some pace. Um but you know, he everyone says he's oh is he really messy, but he's not he's not that got that style of play. I'd compare him God, who would I compare him to? I think in the past I've compared him almost to a bit, a bit of a Lewandowski, who is more of a bit of a complete striker rather than, you know, a pacey striker or or a target man. Um, He, yeah, he's more like that. But it'll be interesting to see what he does next season. You know, he has a great relationship with Berdiev. You know, he joined Rubin because of Berdiev, and he's gone on loan to Rostov because of Berdiev. So if they can afford him, I think they'll try and buy. I think he's going to cost at least 6-7 million euros. Um, but I, I can't see him staying at Rubin, unfortunately. He'll either go back to Rostov or he'll end up in Europe somewhere the next the next season, I think.
0: I saw Asmun at, at Zenit when they were playing Rubin. And everyone says about Messi, can he do it on the, on the cold, wet night in Stoke? But Asmund couldn't do it on a, a cold night in St. Petersburg, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but what was the fan vote on the uh, young player there, David?
2: Uh, yeah, they they picked Asmir. He picks up over half the votes. Mm-hmm. Zinchenko second.
0: Okay, and then we'll move on to best and worst signing. Best was Fyodor Smolov from Krasnodar, and the worst, poor old Andrei Arshavin, the face of Lay's crisps from Kuban Krasnodar. <laughs> Any arguments on those?
1: Nope. No. I can't really know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's when you say worst signing of the season, the only way I could have chosen someone else is who's actually responsible for the signing. I mean, I, on the Twitter poll, just for sake of variation, I voted for Carlos Strandberg at Ural because I don't know why. Well, I, I mean, I mean, he's, he's such a big name that he's almost, it is his fault. He was just terrible. His motivation wasn't there. Um, but, um, I, just for my personal interest in Ural, um, Strandberg, I called him being signed on loan by Udall in the summer. I thought it made sense. He had a, he scored three or four goals for the back end of last season. Um, and yet, I don't think he started a single game um, and and since has gone on loan to a club, I think, back in Sweden, um, where he yeah. scored almost a yeah, okay. goal. Yeah, they, they scored. How many has he scored, David? It's like a goal uh, a game? Last or... I
2: checked, he had nine in... Eleven, I think, or eight and ten, something like that. He's he's gone great form. That's, that's yeah. the funny thing, actually, of the worst signing. The poll on Twitter is Arshavin, Hugo Almeida, Lemos, or Strandberg. All four are at different clubs to where they signed for in the summer of the RPL. Arshavin scored three and nine in Kazakhstan. Lemos has apparently been great for Las Palmas in Spain, linked to Barcelona and Everton. Strandberg has scored eight and ten. It, in Sweden, and Hugo Almeida has even scored a couple over in uh, Germany for Hanover. So they've all done terrible in Russia and then gone on to do better somewhere else in Western Europe. And and I who, just wonder if he won speaks that something about Russia. Who won? Uh, that poll? They agreed with us, the public, on both polls. Arshavin okay. Smolov.
0: And this next one, there's really no contest on this. Coach of the season, it's got to be the man, Koroban
2: Beardiev, mm-hmm. nobody else. Simple. Easy on, yeah, on, straightforward. That I'm one. assuming the fans <laughs> went the same way. Yep, 75%. Ooh. Who voted
0: out? Who, who wouldn't vote for... Okay, I won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now we go into team of the season. Um, the We were asked to do a 4-3-3 formation. So it goes as follows. The goalkeeper was Zhanaev from Rostov. Then right back was Kuzmin from Rubin. The centre-halves were Navas and Bastos, both from Rostov. Then we've got Denisov there at left back from Lokomotiv. Then the central three, we've got Mamaya from Krasnodar, Naboa from Rostov, and then we have Bloem from title winner Siska. On the left, we have Promes from Spartak. This is the front three. In the middle, we had Smolov from Krasnodar, who's been sweeping the awards. And then on the right, we had Hulk from Zenit. Only thing I really would question with that team of the year, both of you, is one CSKA player, despite being title winners.
1: Yeah, I mean it's um, it's I can understand how Cisco fans would be a bit surprised by that but I do actually think we we, we picked pretty much the right team it's not a lot I would argue with Fernbloom has been massively underrated and I think he really deserves um, the his place in the side. I think Cisco's strength this season has been that they they haven't depended too heavily on individual players. Um, I mean, Musa has stepped up impressively to fill the goal-scoring role, but he's not, you know, he's not terrorised defences um, quite in the way that Promes, Holger, go- or Smolov have. Um, so I don't think he could have argued with getting in ahead of them. You know, Navos and, and Bastos in central defence, well, they do have the most impressive defence. Um, so, you know, the Beritsuski and Mishavis can't can't argue a great deal. Um so it's surprising, maybe, but actually, if you think about it, I think it makes sense.
0: Would you have any arguments on that team of the year there, David? He's gone again. Is he gone? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll step in just for the time being. Go on. <laughs> Dave, David will add in, I'm sure. Um, the only, only mild question I would have possibly had... Um, Bastos, I, I've seen. He's obviously he's, he fulfills his role. He's the more athletic of the, well, probably the most athletic of the three in the middle. Naras, obviously, I definitely think he deserves his place. He's, you know, he's Badea's lieutenant, and he's got the experience. Um, but. But then again, like who who else is more outstanding than Bashus? Would you say Ignashevich? I mean, he he deserves some recognition. He has won. He's won the title, and and he's given great service to Siska. Um I mean, Kuzmin is is a he's had a, a late renaissance in his career. I personally am a huge fan of both Mario Fernandez and and Smolnikov. I, I either of those two could could have been in the side. Um, but um, but other than that, I, I I don't I'm not sure. Tom, Thomas, what about you? What what surprised you, if any?
0: Um, nothing really. I think just that. I think I would have had more CSKA players, perhaps. But perhaps. Mm, but you don't know where to put them. That's the problem. I think oh, there should right. be more. And then you look at the squad and you think oh, they're actually they're all probably where they should be.
2: Did I hear a right back debate? Right back,
1: yeah, David. Tell us what you I think. I want to
2: argue Kuzmin's case because he's been terrific this season. <laughs> you know, he—if without him, we would have got nowhere in the first half of the season. He scored. He—he he scored seemingly all our goals to help us qualify for the Europa League groups. He scored most of our first few goals of the season in in the league as well. He, he was terrific this season. as, soon as he's thirty six, I—I somehow wonder. Sometimes I wonder how he can run as much as he does. He never stops running. It's, it's He's an unbelievable player, and it's such a shame that he's missing the Euros. Another debate we had... So I was really gutted. Sorry, another debate we had, David, was um, only one CSKA player. Yeah, I mean... You can argue for some other players, but it was more of a team effort than someone... You know, Wormbloom, I voted for him. I think the only change I would have made was number for Gatskan, a Rostov swap. But None of the CSKA players really... It was a team effort rather than someone stood out, like... Moussa wasn't terrific up front compared to someone like Smolov. Djigoyev wasn't terrific compared to someone like Neboa. The centre-backs at Rostov were probably better than the centre-backs at Sisker. So, you know, it, it's it's a weird one, but at the same time, I agree with the fact that only Wormoon gets in, uh, personally.
0: OK, I think that pretty much rounds off the awards. Fyodor Smolov has... Is- undoubtedly swept the thing just a quick bit of news to bring you from the FNL slash the Premier League which is quite interesting and we're going to leave it to David to break this because he actually broke it to us on Russian Football News <laughs> do you want to just inform the listeners
2: yeah um, one of the well the FNL winners aren't they uh, Gazovic Orenberg uh, announced today they've changed their name just, just F.C. Orenberg uh, and I was quite disappointed by this because I liked the name Gazovic Orenberg which I've since found out means Gazovic I think means gas worker yeah, um, yeah I, I liked the name Gazprom so I was quite disappointed to hear them change it. Um, I, I was unsure of the reasons. Andrew has since provided a theory behind it, uh, if, I wanna, if I can hand that over to you. Yeah, Andrew, what was your
1: speculation? <laughs> well, um, they, they were, well, I'm, assu- I'm saying were because I'm assuming this is why, but they were certainly funded by a subsidiary of Gazprom um, and I suspect it might be because they want to avoid a conflict of interest and um, uh, having two teams, obviously Zanit, the the main one, sponsored or you know funded by the same company. I don't know if there are rules against that, but perhaps they're just wary of that. Um, so uh, I, that's, that's what I think it might be, which is a shame, really, because it means that, well, FC Orenburg again, it feels, like you said, David, it feels odd to call them just that. Um, if they are now looking for other um, backers, just when they've made that breakthrough to the Premier League, uh, it might set them back in their recruitment um, so over the summer. So it's a shame that one.
2: Yeah, Thank just see next season, though.
1: Yeah, it should be great fun. But
0: just to inform listeners, it's not like in other countries where name changes are uncommon. In Russia, it happens all the time. So when actually David told us, I sort of just thought, well, it happens. I mean, I'm going to plug my own piece here if you don't mind, fellas, but I did a piece on Dynamo St. Petersburg a few months back and they've had a ridiculous amount of name changes due to various complications. So it just you just get used to it. So I think that pretty much brings the end of the podcast. We have actually ran over, but I didn't have the heart to stop either of you because you were both so perfect <laughs> with your points. So I, I didn't want to stop it. So I'm just going to... Put a couple of notes to listeners. There's a couple of pieces on the website which I've picked out as specific interest to those who perhaps don't have the detailed information about Russian football and they want perhaps something about Russian football outside of Russia. There's a piece on there about Alexei Smertin who played in England, that's interesting. And then we've had the Spartak debate, we had well, the Spartak discussion we had earlier. There's a new piece on their rise back into Europe after their couple of years away and their 90s domination and we've also got an upcoming profile on each player for the european championships so particularly england and wales fans who i'm guessing listen to this will be certainly interested in that to see what they're up against in the upcoming european championships so only leaves me to say thank you to the two guests as per usual andrew we'll just uh, give out a twitter handle quickly
1: yep yeah, i'm at andrew m i j flint Okay, perfect.
0: And David, I think I think you've got a new one, right? Yeah, I'm at herfn underscore David. Okay, perfect. And I'm thomas underscore giles underscore UK. Thanks again for listening to the Russian Football News Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and you've had a bit of another insight into Russian football. So it only leaves to be said that we'll hopefully see you next time. Goodbye.
1: идёт побольный матч летит на поле мяч